And now, part two of our series of lawyers to writers to authors and everywhere in between. Kate, I think this is the piece that gets neglected a lot. It is the reader piece. I've been thinking about this. I think that the easiest way to transition from being a lawyer and not knowing how you can find time to write a novel because you want to be a published like it all feels so big you're like I want to have a novel published but I'm a lawyer and I work all the time and I'm never going to bridge the gap between the two one of the first ways that happens is reading and when you find time to read it just allows you to find time then to write what do you think so I agree a hundred percent but I think for people who are presumably already struggling with the finding time part that then reading also probably falls into that category like I know so many people are like oh I don't have time for that but what you're saying I think is well if you find time for that meaning the reading then a it's going to help you be a better writer to read other people's work but it also from a time perspective I think you're saying if you can find the time for that, you're going to also then be able to find the time to write. Is that? I, to me, it was the gateway yeah. drug. Gateway <laughs> like drug. It was yeah. the gateway time drug. Yeah. manager. Mm-hmm. Once I started to figure out how I could, because I was working a lot as a lawyer and I knew I wanted to be a published author and it felt very overwhelming. And I realized I don't even have time to read and yet I'm going to write a novel. Yeah. It's a disconnect and it's a real disconnect and it's an easier fix to say, how will I make the jump to published author? How will I make the jump to writing 90,000 plus words? Well, how much are you reading is my first question. And we will talk about in our part three, in our next episode, we'll talk about practical considerations of how you find that time to write and how you make that jump. But I truly think that the start of it is... As a reader. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that's what happened to me. Um, I actually told myself one year when I was a young associate, I don't know if somebody asked me or if it was a New Year's resolution, whatever. I think somehow it came up with, what are your hobbies? And I went, oh, I don't have any hobbies. Who has hobbies? I don't have hobbies. Well, what did you like to do? I'm a lawyer. Right. And one of the things was, well, I always love to read. And... Um, I think I just went back to it more at first as a, you have to have something else, Kate, like something outside of this. I'm not a huge fan of, you need hobbies, but like you just need something outside of what is an all consuming type job. And for that, it was reading for me. So I didn't think of it that way, but that is the order in which I went in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, that, yeah. And I actually went in it I backed out of it, but it was so the opposite. I was like, I want to be a published writer. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, first, if I can't even make time to read, which is yeah. far less taxing. Yeah. And also, you can find a minute to read a page on yeah. the subway, whatever, what yeah. have you. So that is, I think, the first non-helpful but really honest question to ask a lawyer who wants to be a writer how much are you reading? Mm-hmm. And if the, and to be honest, at the time for me, the answer was like zero. Yeah. I mean, I was, oh, yeah. my, my veg time was TV. Yeah. And so I was not reading anything. Yeah. And 
that was when it came back. That's when I, that was the start to, okay, now I can be a writer. And then also you can read craft books. It's not the same as a novel and they do different things. But one of the ways I was like, okay, how do I even do this? Let me start by reading a craft book and that will help me with some story structure maybe. Right. Again, it's a it's a small baby step of a transition from that all-consuming, just to, it like you're saying, it's an all-consuming life being a lawyer. And anything you can do to take a, to a toe out of that yes. and see this other realm, I think is, is a big step towards getting you to writer. Don't worry, we will actually have practical advice in the next episode. But I want to talk about reading. What, mm. how, how, have you always been a reader? Tell me about your reading origin story. Oh, I've always been a reader. I am 100% that little kid with the nose in the book and the flashlight under the covers reading. Always, always, always. They've just, ever since I was little, like I was the one that they, my parents were like, really, maybe you could actually read less books. I know, only because I, you know, if you do have a nose in the book all the time, sometimes it is a little bit like, okay, yeah, great. Like, join the the, the world. So yeah, lifelong and, and just the, the things the kids would read, you know, choose your own adventure and then Sweet Valley High yeah. and all that. But then I actually, like in middle school, started assigning myself the classics. I think I've admitted this on here. So the embarrassment is already out there. I had an English teacher for a mother who didn't push those on me, but, and in fact thought I was crazy. She's like, what do you want to read that for? Like, why? Like, maybe you're not ready or also, are you sure? So yeah. And then I ended up in high school with a job where, and then even in college where I could sit around a lot and read. So you know, there was a lot of downtime at it. So I could go through tons and tons of books. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I, I don't think I have my origin story is not quite as clear. And it's also not consistent. And it's also not about like quantity was not really mm-hmm. part of I, I was not a voracious reader, maybe. But I can remember like the first I read, I know we've talked about this too, but it's worth mentioning on this episode, when I read Where the Red Fern Grows, Mm. that book just like leapt inside of me. It became part of my DNA. It was such a transformative experience, just reading it. Yeah. I I don't know if it was for school or not, but I know many kids read it in school now. I don't know that we did then. Either way, it really transformed me. And... I had that same feeling with reading Oliver Twist, and then I read a, a another take on Oliver mm-hmm. Twist. I couldn't get enough of Oliver Twist stories and any you know mashup you could make of it. I was into, and so I don't know that I was like reading, reading, reading. I definitely wasn't nose in the book uh, in a book kind of person, but they hit me so hard. Yeah. I mean, I really would like hug them and be like, oh, yeah. "This book." changed my life and so and it's funny you say that I did not have those jobs I always was on my feet waitressing you're right uh, you couldn't then no could not read I was not allowed to be a waitress so yeah you weren't allowed my father would not allow me to be a waitress yeah he didn't like jobs that involved me being out at night or Mm. around men 
or mm. um, he thought that you could, it was a recipe to be treated poorly. And so he mm. did not know, not in the service industry. Okay. No. Wow. I know. Yeah. He definitely didn't like the nighttime and being around men and drinking. He just thought yes. it was dangerous. I'm like, you know, yeah. you could waitress during the day. But anyway, I, don't, I would have been a terrible waitress anyway. That's yeah, funny. That's so really interesting. I just got to My sit mom, around and read. Mine was in the blood. My mom was a waitress and like her whole life and so it was not is kind of not optional but I will say she never was the kind of waitress that was interestingly like your dad never around alcohol and not at night either oh, only day type, there like, are cafe ways type to do it yes if you yes I loved waiting tables I loved it goes back to our like our busy mm-hmm. like it kept me so busy I just couldn't think and that was always what I needed yeah but but what about you early books that like really left a mo- yeah. their mark on you? Yeah. Well, you know, Anne of Green Gables is your Where the Red Fern Grows is the one I love that what you just said, like leapt into my DNA. I would never have, have used those words, but that's exactly, I feel like it's a part of me. And yes, absolutely. A hundred percent, like to this day. And think about that. How great is that? That like, I know stories to just have that right are just inside you and it's I listen I'm not unique we know from talking to several authors who and and I know plenty of other women really who Anne of Green Gables was that for them there was something about that heroine that I do think leapt into a lot of people's DNA but for me it was super transformative and there's a series so you know it's not just one book and then of course she had Lucy Maud Montgomery had other series, so then I could move to all of her other ones outside of Anne. So it was a really like quite a, by falling in love just with Anne, you got a sort of yes. a whole universe. And then when I got into high school, I was very much like a Jane Austen and, and those kind of classics. I used to read Wuthering Heights every year on my own. You know, I would return to it, Pride and Prejudice. I was a sucker for those too. So that that was a little bit later though. Like Anne of Green Gables really started more as my youth. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. But that was my next question. By the time for me, when I was in high school, I was Dean Koontz. God, I loved a Dean Koontz book. Oh, I've never read a Dean Koontz book. The the kind of, there's always, or often, uh, he's written so many, I definitely haven't Mm -hmm. read them all. Uh, but there's always an element of like supernatural or something a little mm. weird or something a little off and explained by something that you're like, what? Oh, my gosh. I was obsessed with those. And then, of course, I was obsessed with any sort of legal thriller, Hi. Scott Turow's Presumed Innocent and Sidney Sheldon's Rage of Angels being the top of those lists. Those were also two that not only informed me wanting to be a lawyer when I by the time I graduated high school, but like... They were part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, same same thing. Those books just became part of me for whatever reason. When you read them, how you read them, whatever it is, just it landed so hard with me mm-hmm. for the, those books. It's interesting that I never got into any of the legal books or the legal yeah. thrillers. And then... It's probably how you've able, been able to stay in law more consistently. Yeah, I guess so. Clearly, <laughs> it was I'm, not a good setup. I know. I know. <laughs> Clearly, and we know... Well, get to it now but I mean even those books that I loved back then that you can see you can trace this to now why I enjoy the contemporary romance so much like those were really I mean they all kind of 
draw points on a, on a line. I've never really, actually, now that I think about it, veered that far off. I will say, I've, I mean, people, when you're a voracious reader, I, I did read, I've read in every genre, but, and even back then I did. I was pretty open to trying different things, but if you, if you ask me, like, at my core, like, what I go back to, I think there is a clear line, even though, you know, I certainly would, would whatever might have been popular at the time, like Flowers in the Attic and things like that. Like I read outside of those genres, but I think at my core, I've, there is a theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mine was, I veered off that path. I, but we'll, co- we'll come to that. So I want to ask you, was there a time when you lost reading? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Same. I was an English major, so in college I was... It was, it was at its peak, but in a different way because it was yes. required, right? So yes. you have to read what is required. But because it was my major, I certainly was pretty immersed in reading but, and reading in a different way, reading more analytically, you know, the whole thing. Less yeah. than what it felt like, you know, in high school or, or younger. And then law school, definitely lost it. I mean, there was no place for pleasure reading given the amount of reading that was required in law school so I lost it completely well for you I yeah, read so I much I, I same I got to college and did same thing I, I was not an English major but I was just two classes short of having a, a triple major mm-hmm. which I only took political science communication and English classes that's all I took aside from the core so I did read a lot and those I did love them but you're right it is a little different it is Mm -hmm. one required and also just a little for me it was definitely my first foray into literary fiction Mm -hmm. because that's often what you're uh, analyzing but law school I was right back where I left off in college because I don't I didn't really read any of the legal thrillers or Dean Koontz or these kind of commercial fast-paced mysteries or thrillers but I in law school I was right back on it and I really I don't know I really think I convinced myself that it was like preparation like real world I have air quotes real world preparation for what it would be like in a law firm and those were never even one thing depicted I was like somewhere in here this is the real thing Mm -hmm. spoiler alert no but what (laughs) but but I yeah so I picked it back up, but I really, really lost it as a practicing attorney. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Were you able to pick it up mm, again? It was still or not? lost for a while. Yeah. It definitely yeah, was lost for yeah. a while. Yeah. yeah. Other than an occasional, like enough that I can't remember it. You know what I mean? I'm yes. sure it wasn't at zero, but. Yeah. You're right. It was pretty I, low. It was pretty it low. It was. Yeah. Right. Yes. I think you're right. I'm sure I read like a book or two. Yeah. I was never one to ignore like whatever was was everyone talking about, what book everyone right. was talking about. But that's like we're talking about one to five a year. Right. Which now is more like, like a regular person. A <laughs> yes. Just like, you know, they might yes. be reading. I don't know those regular people. I, I do. I do. Who might yeah. just read yeah. like whatever the bestseller or every the book yeah. everybody's talking about and, and then a month later, I see them and they're still reading it. And I'm like, what are you doing? But it's okay. Everybody's yes. different. Yes. Yes. And we were that. I was definitely that too. Yeah. When did you come back to it? That's a great question. I don't know. I feel like you and I could piece this together because I feel like I started talking to you about books at some point. Like, when was that? When would we sometimes share that? Because yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I, it was it was quite a few years into practicing. Yeah, that. yeah, that is. Yeah. yeah, when we would talk about things, that it was, was later. like, yeah, thirteen, two thousand thirteen. I think that's after. So definitely, by the time we get to that point, I with my long commute, I yes. then started reading more. Although I did use a lot of the commuting time to do work, that was a time where I did remember yeah. when I was able to it's a nice chunk of time so yeah but yeah I think I was out of it for a while out of the game the reading game yeah yeah mine started like my stock answer when I had kids yeah uh, breastfeeding was huge and just also just so nap times yeah. like there was so much time that you had to be doing something but not doing something mm-hmm. and so that was when I found my way back was was with little kids, oh, I like ironically. That. I was sitting on my Blackberry. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. every breastfeeding situation. I pretty much had my Blackberry <laughs> in my head. Yeah. Although I don't know, you know, you're making me want to go back through like my Amazon purchases, which I know mm. tell tell a story, you know, for yes. us sometimes when we're looking like, when did we read that book? I'm sure if I go back, you know, I would piece together when they, when my kids were little, definitely. I do remember sitting, breastfeeding. I remember some books in my hand for those, but, but yeah, I still think it was fairly sporadic. Yeah. 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 And what about when you thought about being a writer and writing something? Was there a change in your reading? I, this is a great question. I thought that, and that when you were writing a book that you, I thought I couldn't read another book at the same time. A lot of, there are writers that say that. Oh, okay. I thought I was just, this was just how my brain worked. But when I started writing mine, I, I could not read anything else. First of all, I thought I might be copying something else subconsciously or whatever, and the plot of my novel had to do with copying of a song. So I was actually researching like copyright and subconscious or unconscious like plagiarism. So it was actually part of what I was doing too. So I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh, oh my God. So I was a little paranoid about that and the ways in which you can unconsciously plagiarize things. I mean, oh, it's a really yes. tricky area, but so I was not reading then once I started writing because I just felt like I could maybe it would bleed over or something like that. Mm. I know. Yeah. But some people switch genres. Genres, like, yeah. Right, like they'll read only nonfiction mm-hmm. while they're writing fiction or or maybe like romance. Yeah. If you're writing romance, you read thrillers or what have you, but vice versa. that was where whatever, that's where my time issue really yes. felt compressed, right? Like whatever free time I had. And as you know, I wrote that while I was commuting. So that also took away from my reading time yeah. then. I only, but, you know. <laughs> but I just want to say, I think that is okay. Yeah. I had that too, because I carved out the time by reading mm-hmm. and then I replaced the writing like in yeah. its place. It was, I couldn't take more time Correct. to read and write. Yes. So, and did that, when did it come to you? Have you done that? Have you integrated reading and writing? Hmm. Well, it's a great question. Yes, I think so. I think even when we were writing together, I was still reading. I could do both then. I do think I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now there's just so much reading because of the podcast. 
Yes. This is yes. the most well, that, reading now, you know, when we get to that yeah. portion of the reading journey, I'm now at the peak. Yes, your peak reader. Okay, well, so, but you never, I, I guess I need to interject my own story because yeah. you don't have a parallel, which is there was a time, especially when I was a new lawyer, that I like had this vision of myself as a as a professional in New York City, and there was a whole uh, Devil Wears Prada, yeah. Emily Giffen's, like there was this whole movement of writing about women who were working and also figuring out life, and I was obsessed yeah. with this genre, mm-hmm. and so that took over for me. That took away my legal thrillers, my whatever you call my commercial fiction became what they called then chiclet yeah and again these professional women really getting their footing either in their careers or their lives or their love lives usually two or three of those at the same time and I became very obsessed with those and I loved them and that was my first foray into writing was writing that kind of novel Mm -hmm. I love yours by the way I know it's in the drawer, people. I'm just yes. telling you. I also love those kind of books for all the same reasons. And the one Corinne wrote was excellent. I love it. Thank you. Well, I, and now I've come back. So this is, a, again, not unusual for me, a weird journey because I have come back to what could, as, if, as a narrative, comes back to my quote-unquote roots, right? I am now writing thrillers, but they are updated. They are not, you know the stuff I read when I was younger. It is contemporary, but it is also in that sweet spot of what I first fell in love with mm-hmm. when I, you know, maybe in high school. But I, as you know, I've never been able to really shake that. So I've really, and my book will be out and it will be that genre. So it, but I've never really been able to let go of that. I know. Ro- like, I don't chiclet it's not but they don't and Emily Henry I guess is close to it Carly Fortune maybe too but it doesn't exist the way it did I mean there was so much of it for a period of time yeah and I was fully in it and I don't know I'm waiting for the wave to really come back I don't know but what am I gonna do I don't know Uh, TBD as to what all of that means for me but I spent a lot of time reading those and then when I was like, wrote one, didn't sell. I got an agent, I didn't sell. And I was just needed to kind of scrap that and start with, again, maybe back to basics, back to that thriller, what do I love reading? And Leanne Moriarty and Lucy Foley really had a big part in that, in my discovering this kind of multi-POV thriller, but everybody kind of living their lives because I do really like that as part I mean their jobs are part of it and it's it's more slice of life as opposed to there's no detectives right there's no crime scene in mine which is kind of the updated version of it so but that is primarily what I what I read now although as I probably you're probably gonna say we read a lot and we read across genres and including across in even in genres so many different kinds of books in that genre yeah the genres it's really we've talked about this they're they're they're, it's like any labels we we bump up against them a lot as to what really classifies as this or that and you know we've talked about it 
with authors for you and thrillers what's really a thriller suspense mystery but yes. I think at oh my least gosh. Yeah. and you said a thriller fest you guys could talk about that there could be panel upon panel of that <sighs> but I feel mm-hmm. like that I get that because sort of even having read all these how it's it's hard to put them in a box or whatever but I think that people if you say you wrote a thriller or a mystery or suspense are like oh, okay great I I have a more of an issue with romance because mm. if you say romance, I just feel like you automatically get like an eye roll. I mean, or like they're picturing the whole bodice ripping, Harlequin, whatever. Meanwhile, I'll point out to people, well, do you like, you know, Rebecca Searle? Do you like that? And they're like, oh, well, that's not really romance. I'm like, it, it, the contemporary romance genre has a lot of people in it that yeah. people like to read. But if you tell them they're reading a romance, they think they're reading something cheesy and, yes. you know, beneath them. So, yes. Although romance writers would really argue, it's again, the deeper you get into something, they would argue that that's not part of it. I don't, but I think romance, it just has to be that the, the, it's happily ever after. Re- or, and the relation, relationship, well, sometimes they're not, but the relationship is the, the central, part of the story and you can do it in dual timelines and you can do it Mm multi-pov and you can do it lots of different ways but rebecca i don't rebecca searle doesn't really she in good reads though she was listed again in these genres she was in the romance genre you know when they group these books at year end or whatever yeah Um, oh interesting interesting yeah 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 yeah, uh-huh. I think it's the same. I think you're just deeper in that one and it's the same kind of existential you know conversations we have in but the, does anyone the, roll their eyes at a thriller like or look down upon <gasps> it really you're crazy i can't believe really? you just asked that question of course I mean, are there no, like, if someone a writes oh. a, a traditional thriller no 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 everyone looks down at the thing that's not theirs so oh. it's not just thriller so a thriller traditionally is like the world at large is in danger yeah. and one person's actions will affect a, a, a small scale case or issue, but that that you know there's a, a, a flood coming to New York City mm-hmm. or the apocalypse. There's, so there's like a large. That's a traditional thriller. The people who write thrillers think anyone who writes domestic suspense, which is more of a, a yeah. Leanne Moriarty, Lucy Foley, they don't belong in the thriller yeah, space. Okay. They shouldn't be called that at all. And we talked to Andy Bartz recently, yeah. who was like, even their publicist couldn't quite. Right, so that's among authors. I just, I'm thinking more as readers. No, readers. readers. No, the readers are the one who are rabid about it. In fact, Andy Bartz is the one who said their publisher, her as the author, her publisher, her publicist decided it was, oh gosh, I can't remember what they decided. And when it started to go out to readers, readers were like, no, 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 you got this wrong. Right. You got this wrong. This is domestic suspense. See, I always just thought romance got looked down upon also because it's more women's stories and people want to shit on things that have to do with what people believe to be like what hence chiclet you know yes but i didn't think think happened with thrillers and suspense it does see what you're saying it definitely does anything a domestic Domestic, suspense uh, yes mm, yeah and there are some people who write thrillers that are military based and Mm -hmm. espionage and international and that is very different from what is domestic meaning like relationships are the relationships also a key element or is this like someone's in danger and again the detective 
crime yeah, is very are, different from yeah. all the, yeah those yeah, feel no, easier to each, me when there's a detective. yeah each <laughs> one is is looked down upon by the others but you know n- not by everyone but right. but there are certainly I think it's very similar to the to the romance it's just a different uh different labels yeah yeah and I'm just like I don't really care what you call it if it's yeah if it's, you know what I mean and and yeah. we've talked so many times about ones that are really to kind of defy really defy genre like a really a mashup and some of those are our favorites so yes. but I think that what you first write like what your first one was mm-hmm. is often influenced by what what you know you've you liked in books, you know what I mean? Like you, you said you were into the Devil Wears Prada and things, or whatever you were dealing with at that time in your life, which was being a professional woman and and trying to figure out my life, who yes. you are, and all of that. Yeah, I mean, we both, I mean, wrote ones with female lawyer protagonists. It just seems like that's you know that's yeah. what we know. Yes, but by the way, that's also the case for my thriller, yeah, my or domestic suspense, whatever it is, is still working out those relationships still trying to figure out life and there's a female lawyer yeah as main character so yeah 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 those essential parts of oneself I think can't be taken away right from, it's it's from like the, the writer subconscious yeah. it's what we've talked about with all these authors that they even if they don't realize it they're writing about the same things their own internal struggles and things they're trying to grapple with and mine have always been around relationships and what the the woman is learning about herself right and and how Mm -hmm. she's gonna grow through it which is usually played out in the romance genre it's the same as my movies and that I love you know the if we go back but you do want a happy ending and I want a dead body no yeah I same yeah I don't want a dead body right I actually don't mind I on it a sort of happy ending or ambiguous ending. Yeah, but I don't want a dead body. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want to figure also, anything out. Yeah. I don't want yes, to figure out yes. who did it or what happened or clues or, or, clues or clues or yes, yes. Oh, yes, you yes. Tr- it was a twist and now I don't know, you know. I, I know. Mean, I just, I know and some of my favorite books that would be maybe in the romance or women's fiction section now are ones that have an element of either suspense or yeah. a twist, which we've read the same books and talked about see, whether there's a twist. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. I, I see call it like a redirection. Twist. Yeah. You see it as a twist. But yeah, listen, and even in the ones that do have them, like, I don't even mean outside of romance, like truth or like we've talked about, when they're done well, I'm, I'm j- just as into yeah. them as anybody else. I just feel like I know people who only, they really only want to read books that like, have that and I don't go in seeking it but like when you give me a good one and I'm thrown off I'm like oh okay yeah yeah I think I prefer to only read books that had twists but I will read them in any genre yeah right so if if a women's fiction novel has an unexpected midpoint complete whatever you want redirection or twist Mm -hmm. I was like oh that I'm in that Yeah. yeah when it's done well it's a fantastic technique I just think it's often not done well but when it is and you're and I'm surprised and you actually did it's actually not that hard to surprise me because I'm not looking for them right do you know what I mean (laughs) so I'm like oh I didn't see that coming at all like and other people are like really did you not Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 okay so you were gonna say something else about our current part of our journey of reading 
our current part of our journey of reading is just so much reading is what I yeah. was going to say right. is just, yes. I, that's where I was getting to. This is the pinnacle or the peak. And it's the peak in terms of quantity, but it is also, again, because of the nature of the podcast, the peak for me in terms of breadth of genre of, yeah. of style of everything. And yes. It is literary, commercial, crime detective, right, right, veteran. Yeah. And that's been incredible. I just don't know that I ever would have done that in real life, even though, like I said, I I was always pretty open to trying different things. This, there are just things I never would have read, but for this in genres, I, if you had told me, which is now I'm trying to tell people like, oh, it's fantasy but really you need to read it and they're like mm. yeah yeah you know. dystopian i feel like dystopian maybe ya or even no veronica ross was adult but yeah. that has surprised you it's been a yeah, lot like, a lot that yeah. have surprised me i yeah. never read hardly ever read memoir i don't want to say never mm. hardly yeah. we have for this even though we're pop fiction women. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I feel like now in the reading journey, this is really the peak in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so I guess the thing to impart, and I don't think anyone, Christy Tate, who we'll have on for, for later episodes, I, I won't, my recollection of her reading is she reads a, widely, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. she reads a lot. But she reads a lot of literary fiction and she writes memoir and mm-hmm. she did read those when she was writing memoir. So you don't have to know what you, you don't have to write what you read at all. Yeah. In fact, but it's some a good, might want to do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. But it's a good indication of like the kind of book yeah. you want to see out there. Yes. I think Christy was inside internally called to write a novel that she had in her, I mean, a, a, a memoir that she had in her. And so that is different. But if you're not sure, then reading can help you figure out where, what kind of book you would want to write. And that is often the kind of book you want to read. Right. Now, let me ask you this, because I yeah. bet a lot, I think a lot of people do struggle with this. Should they read books to see what's on trend? Uh, in their genre, they say they want to write a thriller. They want. They think they want to write romance, and so they're going to listen to us, and they're going to go out and read a bunch of books in that genre. Um, should they look at patterns? I mean, they will ultimately, if they want to get published, they will need comparables. They will need to say it's like this. But I think chasing a trend is a dangerous business. But you are actually going to be published, so clearly have more insight on this. Yeah, I think that is way, way down, down the, the line. Road. Yeah, down way down the road to know, you know what? I mean, I I definitely don't think chasing a trend is a good idea, but I do think being aware mm-hmm. of what's out there and what yeah. is popular and what is being published and how it's being published and how often it's being published and to what commercial success, mm-hmm. if that's or. or or literary success, if those are... But these are all questions you need to be asking first. Don't pay attention to all those things now. I think you start with what genre do I think... The other thing is, 
what can you write versus what do you love to read? Sometimes those are not the same thing. Someone might love literary fiction and has a voice for commercial fiction or yeah. someone might love romance and have the the voice for thrillers or vice versa. Someone might love to read thrillers but have a romance voice. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And, yeah, so you really, the first step is definitely getting to know yourself. And I think the first way of getting to know yourself as a writer is to get to know yourself as a reader. And one is what you like and two is what you can do. Do you right. think you can write, not 90,000 words, can you write a page that rivals the opening page of Carly Fortune's Meet Me at the Lake? Can you, you know, write a page that sounds like Emily Henry, mm-hmm. one of her books? Like, or... Do you and then try it? I've tried every genre. I've gone literary. I've done thriller. I've done romance. I've done anything. And this is like you find your sweet spot yeah. later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, like I definitely that. wouldn't investigate the industry now. But if you're far in, mm-hmm. then yes, because it is sadly one of the first things I ask someone who wants me to read their manuscript. I'm like, what am I looking at? Like. Mm-hmm. What are your comps? What So that it gives me an expectation. It sets an expectation for me. Am I reading a slow, quiet book about motherhood? Or is there going to be some crazy twist where she becomes a dog, like Night Bitch, right? Like what? Because it does start as a quiet or or the need by Helen Phillips. Like it starts as what you think is a quiet literary musing on motherhood. And then it becomes something else. And to know pe- readers want to know that what they're getting into what am I you know getting from this story so you should know that but yeah but reading, it also depends I think is, yeah on what stage you're at I get it yeah yes in the definitely. process I think so yeah but if you're far in and you're really starting to query all mm-hmm. uh, agents that you have to know right. where your book sits among what's being published right I will say, and this has changed even from the past few years that I've been trying to get published, looking at the New York Times bestseller list is no longer a good indication. Right now, especially this 2023, amazing books that have sold Mm -hmm. incredibly well, success, are not hitting the list Mm -hmm. for a myriad of reasons that aren't important, but it's not a great indication what's a good indication is you can go to publishers weekly and you can look at the deals Mm -hmm. they have a free version and a paid version and you can also see who gets multiple books it's not going to help you as a debut but like obviously we know what books are doing well even though they're not constantly hitting the list right right right, because they keep getting book deals so that means their publisher is happy with them That's an indication of success. They're not handing out book deals to the ones that aren't selling books. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. I think that it's a it's important help a transition between the law and and writing as a gateway. I like the reading as a gateway drug. Yeah, yeah. For time management, and then reading as also a way to find your voice. Reading as a way to figure out where, what kind of book you might want to write. All it's there's so I'm just even, and what kind of book you definitely don't want to write, right. and and then also finding the book you want to write, and then seeing if you can write 250 right. words, 500 words in that, and 
aspects and what like voice that. comes out mm-hmm. yeah what voice comes out of you when you start that mm-hmm. yeah. I love it I love it yeah. I know that there's people who when they're writing I've seen Jessica Knoll talk about this and I think others where there's there's books that they go back to when they're yes. writing because so not and these aren't craft books these are actual no. novels that they believe to be sort of like the pinnacle or maybe they're so good at dialogue and they're working on dialogue so they go back to this book so a lot of authors have those books i do okay i definitely that, do like, Abs- it unlocks that is something. my would that be yes. accurate yes. absolutely okay. yes yeah. especially if i'm in a slog and i don't know what i'm doing and you know you can go very quickly spiral into what am i doing why mm-hmm. am i doing this like what is it all for kind of thing like is this even a thing and going back to those books that they're so beyond me. I, I'm not speaking for Jessica Knoll, but mm-hmm. the books I go back to feel very beyond my capabilities. Whether that's true or not is you can argue, but they feel that way to me. They are the highest standard. They're just for me what mm-hmm. I love. Gone Girl obviously yeah. is one of those that I just can open up a page and go, oh, like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think that's good. If you identify those, maybe even while you're reading, you might find yes. your highest. Like this, yes, mm-hmm. this is the thing. Do you have? Do you have anything that's like, oh, I wish I could write like this? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Not ones that I go back to like that. No, no, but just well. Cause, so this is the, my last point. Is mm-hmm. it is helpful? I, I've talked about this uh, having not just goals for a year but having a 10-year goal Mm -hmm. and certainly if you're a lawyer working full-time as an associate cranking your butt it is not likely in a year you're ever going to be close to being a published author but if you think about it in a chunk of 10 years and then it's good to know right from the start like whose career is something that you you know idolize or that you would love to be you know, to to mimic in some way, walk in their footsteps. I so I guess that's what I'm asking for I you. No, we've talked about this, and I'm not. Ha- yeah, yeah. Well, just that you like to have a model, a role yes. model. Yeah, yes. it's. A, I, I know, and yeah. I mean, the only I think at the time I thought of Tia Williams only because she also still has a job, which for some reason, like a day job, and yet is also I think writing to me like some of the best books and. And has had the success of Reese and now her the perfect sure. find being adapted. Sure. So she's managed to keep this dual tracking of her life. And I mean, obviously, I don't know about what her day job, but she still has it. So I'm sure she's kicking ass there, too. So that was the one that jumped out to me at the time. Yes. And I would right. still agree that's with right. Yeah. Yes. There's something about yes. the dual tracking people. Yeah. That Shocker. speaks to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yes. So we, why is that a shocker? That's, it is kind of a shocker to me because you're a fixed sign. You do one thing. I know, but I don't know, you know. Because then, we, what, so then I get to keep, shocker. I get to add an identity. I can't, add the, the, the part, the, the getting off the dual track means you have to abandon one of your identities in my mind. And so I have trouble yeah. with that one. So this way it's like, oh, you can, you can, you can change the percentages maybe but, yes we were just but talking about that. yeah exactly but yeah well i don't think i'll ever abandon it i know but yeah in my same. mind i think that way but yeah 
that you that one has yeah. to is what you think. Yeah, I, I, I just think yeah. I know that's not factually accurate or yeah. whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's, sure. yeah, that that feels like that to me. So. Yeah, I definitely would have never. I don't know. I think I don't think I would have ever pursued writing if I thought I had to. I abandon the identity I'm and also I've earned it like I can't abandon my identity as a lawyer I would never like no one can take that from me like yeah I I guess yeah there's the identity I don't I don't know how to also let go of the financial so that's really probably the bigger thing that I associate with the identity as well you're right I could still say the the uncertainty around finances would be that's really probably the thing that I couldn't let go of yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, and it's the the uncertainty is something you can't. I did need to replace it and had to hold on to one until I could replace it and and would replace it accordingly. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, getting this much from writing, this much from lo- being a lawyer, like percentages. But you're right. the The uncertainty is never will never be taken away. But I didn't. Yeah. I, also I think have my a fear, and you'll tell me. I feel like Christy might have touched on this, but that when something you love like this, like what starts as sort of a passion or side hustle, becomes your actual full and only yes. job. Again, not if you're dual tracking it, you can still kind of keep it as your mistress. Yes. I think I have a real fear of taking the mistress as the spouse. Yes. The mistress being the writing in this little I I got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got it. Then would it feel like work? Yes. Even though, of course, you're dedicating time and work to it. No, that is a really important thing. Now, Christy is a third way, but because she had trouble transitioning that, Mm -hmm. but I always wanted that. I couldn't wait until writing was my work. Mm -hmm. And I started to resent that being a lawyer was was my work. Yeah. And I really never tried to be out about that because I didn't want it to be my work. I hated that it was my work, mm-hmm. being a lawyer. Hated it. So, yeah, I wanted the writing to be my work. And that makes I, so, sense. So there, I, I guess if we're with that analogy, I, I always wanted my mistress to be my wife and yeah. had to just wait. <laughs> right. Right. I had yeah. to just wait. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you knew that. Yes. And I'm I, afraid. That yeah. I was not. Yes. But and Christy listen, maybe did it not. Wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Christy did not know that it, my recollection, and I'll ask her to, to correct the record if I'm wrong here, but, and she struggled when she made that transition, but she's obviously made it. So. Right. 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 It can't. Yeah. You can be, it, it's just a transition period. Yeah. Of like working out, working out the kinks. Yeah. And I think maybe it's one of those things where I'm afraid that's what it would be. And then when you do it, it wouldn't be. I mean, you don't know until you try it. I think that's just a fear around it. But maybe you'd be like, wait a second. I'm so glad this is my work. Like, right. what the fuck yeah. was I ever doing that other yeah. work for? Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So who knows? Um, yes. Might right. not pan out. Might way. be like, this is the greatest job real job that I have ever had, you know? So yes. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. 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 Oh, good stuff. All right. Well, that's reading as, as the transition between, 
between lawyer and writer. Yes. I think they should also, you guys should also listen to a lot of author interviews, you know, to oh, learn yeah. from the, it's a shameless yes. plug for our author interviews. So yeah. there you go. 